Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, loving Jesus by loving people. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. All right, meet me in Hebrews chapter 12. Grab your Bible or your phone or whatever. Hebrews chapter 12. If you need a Bible, there's a Bible on the pew in front of you. It's page 1213 in that Bible. And as we head into summer, sometimes we'll do a little mini-series during the summer, sometimes we don't. Uh, this summer we're not going to. Uh, just series are hard in the summertime in general just because of holidays and different things. And so what we usually do in the summer is more just a bunch of kind of standalone sermons that, uh, that have been brewing in our hearts for a while and we couldn't get to them because we were in a series. And so there's stuff that I've kind of taken note of over the year that I've just kind of wanted to get to. And so we'll be doing some of those throughout the summer. So, uh, so we won't be tying them together into a series per se, but um, but I think they'll be good. I think that's all right. We'll be all right as we go through the summer and as we uh, hear from some different speakers as we go throughout the summer as well. So a million years ago, which is obviously an exaggeration, when I was a kid, uh, I was part of the cross-country team for about 10 minutes, which is, that's also an exaggeration. Um, but in grade five, so I was around 10 or 11 years old, I joined the cross-country team. And I was not good at it at all, which is why it was a temporary season in my life. But uh, our school was really big on track and field, the school I grew up in in Burlington. And so uh, as we, we were all sort of, not pressured at all, but there was just sort of a, you know, most of the kids were doing something athletic in the school. And so, uh, so I felt like I wanted to give it a try. And so did anyone do cross-country running at all? It's the worst. It's the worst sport ever, ever created. Uh, uh, some people were fantastic at it, and I was not one of them. But I don't even remember exactly how long the races were. I don't know if they were 5K at that age or, or 10K. I, I honestly don't remember. But um, but there were races that were set, and you would sort of run through fields and through woods and up hills and down hills. And so it wasn't on a track, and it wasn't in the street like a marathon. Uh, but it was just kind of literally cross country and, and different uh, types of you're running through mud at some points and, um, you know, crossing through the, the forest and different things. And so we would train at our school and then every once in a while there would be a, a meet. And uh, so I remember one meet in particular, which there were 300 of us in my group running. So 300 at the starting line. Uh, and so we all took off, and I don't want to intimidate you guys, but of the 300, I finished 247th. So not the worst, everybody. I'm very proud I finished in the top 82% of those who were running that day. Uh, so it was not really my thing, but we had a fantastic coach named Mr. Nelson. And uh, Mr. Nelson was the, was the teacher in the school that you always wanted to get. I was never in his class, unfortunately, but he was the cross-country coach and just a wonderful, encouraging guy. And my season there, brief as it was, really did... Uh, teach some of the life lessons that you would hope your kids pick up from doing things like sports and activities. Because in cross-country running, uh, because it changes all the time, it's not always easy. Uh, some parts of it are harder than others. It's not always consistent, right? Uh, my coach laughed at me once after we finished a meet, and he said, how was the race, Chris? And I said, I like the downhill parts a lot, because uh, those are the parts that are the easiest. But the whole race is not that, because to have a downhill part, you also have to have an uphill part. Uh, and sometimes you're running in rain, and sometimes you're running in humidity. And, uh, and yet, there are these kind of life lessons of, okay, but you, you keep 
plowing through. You keep running the race. You keep at it. Uh, you keep going. And, and there's going to be easy parts of life, and there's going to be hard parts of life. And there's going to be times where uh, you know what's coming, and there's going to be times where curveballs happen. And there's going to be times where uh, you fall down and skin your knee, but you get up and you keep going. And so there were these kind of life lessons that stuck, uh, even if that wasn't really going to turn out to be my thing. And the New Testament uses this picture of our Christian walk, of our spiritual journey, as being like a race that we're running. It's something that we are, are running uh, out. And as we live this life, there's this sort of athletic metaphor that gets used, including in things like today's passage. And so let's take a look at our text today. We're in Hebrews chapter 12, and we're just going to read a few verses, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I would love to keep going, but Hebrews is like one of the most encouraging books in the whole Bible. It's a fantastic book if you're having a bad day. Uh, there's so much hope there, and, and, and there's challenges in there as well. But uh, there are certain passages probably that we all lean on. You know, on a bad day, you can lean on Romans 8, or, or there's certain just comforting passages that we all have. And this is one for me, Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. It's just one of those uh, just good, encouraging uh, passages that you can lean on, because sometimes the race is hard. Right? Sometimes the spiritual life is not easy. Uh, when Jesus was telling his disciples about what it was going to be like after he left, uh, he said to them things like, you're going to be persecuted. A lot of you are going to die. Woo! Hallelujah! There's not a lot of worship songs about that on a Sunday morning. But the race is not always easy. The spiritual journey is not always easy. Uh, and yet there is this consistent theme that comes up over and over again that says, keep at it. Keep going. Keep running the race. And Hebrews is wonderfully encouraging in lots of different ways. So we're just going to walk through these few verses and unpack them a little bit, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. What is that about? We are in Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, before 12, obviously, is 11, right? Hebrews chapter 11. And in Hebrews chapter 11, this is the famous by faith passage of Scripture. Uh, so in Hebrews chapter 11, the author walks through a bunch of heroes of the Bible uh, that we all know, Abraham and Noah and a lot of these great names of Scripture, Moses. And it goes through a bunch of them one by one, and it just talks about how the life that they lived, the devotion that they gave to God, uh, the way they lived their lives here on earth was lives lived by faith. By faith, Noah built an ark. No one had ever heard of rain before, but by faith, Noah built an ark and so saved his family. By faith, Abraham had no idea where he was going. He was living in a comfortable land of his own, but by faith, when God said go, he left. By faith, Abraham offered up his son. And even though he was the son of the promise, he just trusted that God was going to have a way out for it. By faith, Moses did his thing. By faith, this person did that thing. And there's just all these people who are not actually any different than any of us. They were just people who walked with the Lord. And when times came that were challenging and when, when circumstances came that were difficult, they walked by faith. 
And so that phrase shows up in Hebrews chapter 11 over and over and over again. By faith, this person did this. By faith, that person did that. By faith, these people suffered persecution. By faith, some of these people were martyred. By faith, they did what God told them to do, even if they didn't see the fullness or understand everything, because they knew that he was faithful. Not all of them got to see what they were hoping for. Not all of them got to see the fullness of the promise. And yet they lived out their lives by faith. These great men and women of God who have gone before us live their lives by faith. That's Hebrews 11. So then Hebrews 12 starts, because we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. That we who are continuing to live by faith here on earth, we who are still running the race, are just, we can be inspired and encouraged and challenged by those who have finished their race already. That there are those who have gone before us who are now in their eternal reward, and they are witnesses to us of what a life of faith looks like. They are witnesses to us of what it means to persevere through tough times. They are witnesses to us of what it means to be faithful and to live by faith as you run out your own race before the Lord. They testify to us of what a faithful life looks like, and they testify to us of the faithfulness of our God. And so we are surrounded, and, and beyond just our biblical examples, we probably, most of us, have some people in our own lives who have been that for us, right? We've had parents or grandparents. We've had mentors and friends. Certainly, we have the people in this room. Uh, there are witnesses who are all uh, on the same page, running the same race, and, and they are there to spur us on. They live their lives by faith. Our job is to live our lives by faith as well. So we're surrounded by many who were no different than us, who lived a life that was full of a mix of blessings and difficulties just like us, and yet they devoted themselves to the Lord, they lived their lives out by faith, they finished their race well, we are surrounded by witnesses like that. So therefore, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Verse 1 uh, keeps going. This is Rocky. Remember Rocky Four? Some of you knew it right away. Rocky IV uh, was about, it's always about Rocky fighting somebody, but this time he was fighting, it was like 1985, I think, right in the, the height of the worst of the Cold War, and he was fighting a Russian. Uh, and so it became much more than just Rocky fighting a guy. It was capitalism versus communism. It was East versus West. And so Rocky, this scrappy little guy from Philadelphia, has taken on the whole Soviet empire, basically. And there's a scene where it's, it's one of those musical montages that Rocky's famous for, but where Rocky's training and Drago, the communist guy, is training. And of course, Rocky is like in the Siberian wilderness and he's like lifting wood and running with packs on his back. And uh, Drago's like getting steroids injected because the Soviets are just so sneaky and cheaters. And uh, very, very stereotypical. Uh, doesn't hold up maybe so well decades later. But uh, there's a scene where Rocky, his trainer's in a dog sled, and Rocky's running with the dog sled. And, uh, and as he's doing that, he's struggling, obviously, because he's not a dog, and there's not a bunch of him. But as he's doing it, uh, there's an understanding that the, the tension of that, the weight of that, is building muscle, right? It is actually, it's for his good. And that whenever that load gets taken off and he wants to run, he's going to feel literally, you know, a few hundred pounds lighter and running's gonna be easy. Uh, we see this picture in baseball sometimes. You'll see guys in the, the batter's box getting ready to go and they'll have a weight on the end of their bat, they'll have a donut. Uh, and the idea is if you can get your swing really good with this weighted bat, then when you knock the weight off, your swing's gonna be just so much smoother, so much more powerful because it's just gonna feel different now that the weight is gone. 
And so that's the picture of this verse. Let's throw off the things that are weighing us down because you run faster when you're not weighed down by anything. And so there are worries in life, there are stresses, there are challenges, there are things that get in the way of our walk with Jesus. There are things that get in the way. There are things that mess with our time. There are things that, that get in the way of our relationships with others. There are things that weigh us down. And so the picture is, hey, there's a, a whole lot of people who've gone before us, who live their lives by faith, and as we're inspired by their example, let's throw off the things that are weighing us down. Let's throw off the things that are hindering us. Anything that is interfering with our walk with Jesus, let's get rid of it, because it's easier to run the race when we are just running after him, when I don't have my burdens on my back of the things I'm worried about or the stresses about tomorrow or anything that can get in the way. Let's get rid of the sin that so easily entangles. Uh, there's a bird here with the fishing wire around. That, you know, that bird was created to fly. It's not going to fly very well while its leg is tangled up in this wire. And that's what our sin does for us as well. We were created to be holy. We were created to walk with Jesus. We were created uh, to love one another and to serve one another. And we can't do that as well when we are tangled up in our sin. We can't run the race if there's a rope tangled around our legs. And so whatever in our lives, and, and you know what it is for you, I, whatever is weighing you down, whatever is tangling you up, the call is shake those things off so that you can run the race the way you were supposed to. You are meant to run after Jesus. You are meant to walk in the fullness of who he's created you to be. The bird was meant to fly. You have your own calling you are meant to be. So shake off the things that are getting in the way of that. Shake off the sin that is tripping you up continually. Let's loose those things so that we're free to actually run with our walk with Jesus, or run with Jesus, I guess. Uh, we're free and loose to be who we were supposed to be. We're not caught up in anything that would get in the way of our walk with him, whatever we were made to do. And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. And that word perseverance shows up a lot in the New Testament. It shows up over and over and over again. It is a constant call. And there's a picture there when you put the whole verse together, uh, almost like when you see in a marathon run, whoops, skipped one there, uh, in a marathon run when there's people running, and that's a long race, right? How many have run a marathon? Have any done that? I have so much respect for people who do that. Yeah, we have a few. Uh, sounds like my nightmare, but I'm glad that people can do that that people are running and people are cheering on the sides, right? And that's almost kind of what this verse is, is that, you know, we are still running the race. We have a great cloud of witnesses cheering us on. And the Christian walk is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And, and maybe more realistically, it's like a cross-country marathon, uh, which we'll get to in a second. But it's a long race. And we can't just sprint it and think we're good. Like, there's, there is a, a perseverance required. And having never run anything like that before, I just imagine there's probably points along the way where you're tired, there's probably points where your strength is running out, and yet you keep going, you keep persevering, you keep moving to finish the race. And so the race is, is long for all of us, and to have that mentality, uh, okay, and, and so as we are walking with Jesus, and as we are living out this Christian life, and as we're trying to figure out what he wants us to do, and as we're uh, trying to live out the teachings of Christ, and as we're trying to be Jesus and share Jesus with our community, uh, that they, just to have that long view, that the race is long. 
Uh, and I don't mean that in a, in a negative way or, or meant to be a tiring thing. It's just the fact is that the race is long. And so we need to have the long view. And part of that long view is that there's going to be times along the way where maybe we feel weary, and yet we keep going anyway. There's going to be legs of the race that are harder than the others, and yet we're going to keep going anyway. There's going to be times where uh, I think probably everybody has had moments of maybe even wanting to quit the race, and yet we keep going. We persevere through it. Because we understand that there is a finish line, that there is an end that we are looking to, that we are not uh, just doing this for the fun of it, but there is an eternal view that we are trying to have, where we look at things and say, let's keep our eyes there at the end, which is where the author goes next. As we are running this race, we are fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. We are fixing our eyes on him as we run. We're fixing our eyes on him because, again, the race is long, and as we're running it, we don't really know that much about how it's going to go or, or where it's going to wind. Like, we, we don't really know. Uh, when I would run the cross country, you don't see the race ahead of time. They would just mark it out. And so then the, the flags would start to turn and you go, okay, well, we're going into the woods. And then it would turn again. Okay, well, we're going up the hill. But you don't get a sense of it ahead of time. And so that's the by faith part. We don't know where the journey is going to take us exactly. But our job is not to worry so much about what leg am I in or which way is it going to go. Our job is to say, I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus because he is the end of the race. And there's this unique thing where he's not only the finish line, but he's also sustaining us and leading us as we do the running. So we're not running by ourselves. And the race will change as we go. The, the race doesn't ever stay the same. I mean, if you want to not race and just kind of not ever have anything change, then you can do that, but you're just a person standing around then at that point. The nature of running a race is the scenery changes. There's different legs of it. I have run different legs of my race in different churches, and I have run different legs of my race with different people. And, and I have people who've been lifelong companions on the race, and I have others who have you know, joined for a season, and then you move churches, and then the season shifts a bit, but then new companions come along. Sarah showed up in my race along the way, and now we run together. Uh, the race is always changing. You don't know where the road's gonna bend. And, and just like that cross-country race, some legs of this Christian journey are easier than others. There are seasons of slugging up a hill, and there are seasons of coasting down a hill. There are seasons running in the woods was always fun because it was shaded. Uh, there's just like a nice, cool jog through the woods. And then there's times that are, are harder. They're, it's hotter. It's more humid. The, the strength fades or saps a little bit more. The race is always changing. The companions are sometimes changing, but our job is to fix our eyes on Jesus, who doesn't ever change. He never changes. He is always the same. Jesus is the Lord of the race, and he is both the finish line of the race and the one racing with us. And so we fix our eyes on him. That even if I'm in a tougher season, or maybe I'm rejoicing because I'm in an easier season, or maybe I am running and it's just exhausting, or maybe I've just hit my second wind and I'm sprinting, whatever it looks like, Jesus is the same. He is always the same. And we fix our eyes on him. Because we're not going to be caught up by our circumstances or by the curveballs of life or the, the tragedies that we face. Those things will come. We know they will come. In all of those things, we fix our eyes on him because Jesus is Lord. And as we fix our eyes on him, we find the strength to keep going. And we can trust that as we fix our eyes on him, it's going to be helpful, because the author says he's the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. He's the pioneer because there's nothing that we are going through that he has not gone through. 
There is nothing we're facing in this life that he has not also experienced. Every bit of pain and struggle and shame and difficulty that we face, he has faced himself. He is a pioneer before us in struggling through life. He's a pioneer before us in walking into death. He's the pioneer before us in rising to life again as we all will with him. He is the pioneer of our faith. And so as he has gone before us, he's one that's worth fixing our eyes on because he knows where he's going and he knows where he's gone and he knows where we're going. And so we can follow after him. He's the pioneer of our faith. And he's also the perfecter of faith. We are not perfect in ourselves. He makes us perfect. We're not righteous in ourselves. He makes us righteous. We're not forgiven on our own. He forgives our sins. We don't have what it takes to run the race entirely by ourselves. He gives us the strength to run the race. Anything that we are lacking, and if we're being honest, we're all lacking lots, he finishes off whatever it is that we don't have. He perfects us. And so because of that, we trust that, okay, I will have everything I need to run the race that he's called us to. I will have every bit uh, of every bit of strength. I'll have every bit of encouragement. I'll have every resource that I need. I don't know where the race will take us in life exactly, but I trust that the pioneer and the perfecter of faith is running this race with me, and I trust that he is good and he is faithful. And however the, the race unfolds in all the different seasons of life, uh, we're not alone as we're running it. And the one who has perfected us has perfected us by laying down his life, allowing his body to be broken, shedding his blood for us. And he's done that because he loves us. And because he has demonstrated that to us, we can trust him. He's already proven he's on our side. He's already proven he wants the best for us. He has proven all of that to us. And so we can trust in the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. And so we fix our eyes on him. Regardless of where life is taking us, we fix our eyes on him. There's people in this room, and you have navigated and are navigating tragedy and sickness and loss and, and all sorts of things that happen as we live life in this broken world. And the only way, when I talk to people as they're going through these seasons, the only way to get through it is a consistent phrase that is something like, I kept my eyes fixed on Jesus. I fixed my eyes on him. I wasn't going to let circumstances decide what my mood was going to be. I wasn't going to let circumstances decide what my faith was going to be in because my faith was in him. And although life changes, he never does. And so I will fix my eyes on him. I will ground myself in him. I will keep my eyes fixed fully on him. And we have this illusion of control that we hold on to in our lives. And the older we get, we realize how little control we actually have. That seems to be a pretty consistent mark from people the older they get. You try to control everything, and then you realize, if we're really being honest, there's not a lot. We don't know uh, how our drive home is going to go today, right? There's so little that we have control over. And yet, part of growing in the maturity in our faith is the understanding, I actually don't need to control much at all, because he is in control of all of it. And so as I feel my lack of control, that doesn't have to be a scary thing. That can actually be a very peaceful thing, a very comforting thing, where we say, I don't have that much control, but he is in control, and I do trust in the pioneer and the perfecter who's gone on before me. I trust him, and so I'll fix my eyes on him. I won't get caught up in the storm. I will fix my eyes on him, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning at shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 2. 
And this picture of the cross, that's such a great verse for lots of different reasons. That uh, when you think of what was getting Jesus through that time, like he's bearing pain that none of us can imagine. He's bearing a weight that none of us can carry. Uh, for the first time in his life as he goes to the cross, he's feeling a uh, separation from God. He's never had that before. But he's crying out, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's carrying everything that we can't imagine. How did he possibly endure it? Well, we just read it. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set on the other side. And you can get through a lot when you can see the joy on the other side. If you have hope, even if it's just minuscule, a little tiny amount of hope, you can get through an awful lot. That's one reason why hope is so important, and the Bible talks about it so much. It's easy to persevere if you just have that sense of hope that a better day is coming, that breakthrough is coming, that healing is coming, that the answer is coming. And, and Jesus, who obviously knew everything in a way that we don't know as he was heading to the cross, we don't have the full picture like he did of what is coming, but there's nothing he's carrying that you and I haven't carried, and yet for the joy set before him, he was able to endure it. Because he knew that the cross was not going to be the end of anything, he saw resurrection on the other side. He saw reunion with his heavenly Father on the other side. He saw everything on the other side that he was hoping for that said, okay, I can get through this, there's good things coming. I can get through this, there is hope coming. I can get through this, there is resurrection coming. And that there was a time where he was going to be able to sit down at the right hand of God because all the hard stuff was done and he was ready to sit in his reward. And part of the joy that he saw had to be you and I, right? That he who loved us so much that he came to the cross, he saw the place where sons and daughters were going to come back home. He saw the day that prodigals were coming back into the family of God. He saw the day that loved ones were going to be brought back into heaven and spending eternity with him. So as he faced the brutality of the cross, which is greater than anything any of us will ever face, as he faced the fullness of that being played out in his life, for the joy set before him, for the joy on the other side, he was able to endure it. He scorned its shame. He rolled his eyes at the idea that he was just going to die like a common criminal would die. He rolled his eyes at the shame of the cross because he saw the glory of God on the other side. And that is the inspiration to us. Uh, as he lived that out, uh, it's not just that we have all these heroes who have gone before us who lived by faith. Jesus, to the cross, is walking out by faith that there is resurrection on the other side. And so we are not just inspired by the heroes who've gone before us in the Bible. We are inspired by our pioneer and our perfecter who saw the joy on the other side and was able to keep going because of that. Whatever we are going through, we know resurrection is the end. And so we are to consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Uh, it's pretty much, I think, agreed upon that Hebrews was written to a bunch of Christians who were suffering a lot of persecution. Uh, there was a lot of martyrdom happening at the time. And so Jesus is held up as an example to them specifically in the original context of, hey, for those of you who have suffered persecution and death, just remember Jesus has as well. So consider him who went through the same thing so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And that word there, consider, in the Greek literally means calculate or analyze. It's used in mathematical terms, really. So it's not just like a, hey, think about it. It's really analyze this. Think about this logically. 
Reflect on the cross and what Jesus did for us. Reflect on how he persevered and, and how he finished his race well. Reflect on how he pioneered uh, suffering and resurrection for you. Reflect on how he perfects you and as he gives you his grace and his righteousness. Jesus kept going. Jesus persevered. Jesus saw the joy on the other side and fixed his eyes on it and went for it. And we are to follow in his example. And we were told in Scripture in no uncertain terms that as Jesus had a cross, we also would have a cross. Jesus would say, take up your cross and follow me, Matthew 16, 24, that there will be suffering in this life. There will be trials in this life. There will be persecution. Uh, again, it would be nice if every race was just a downhill coast. We used to run down the hills and cross country. We'd do this pinwheel thing with our arms, which I don't know what it's supposed to do, but it's supposed to keep your balance, I think, as you go down. And it was always just like a breath of fresh air. And it would be great if life was like that all the time. And yet, of course, we know it's not. Not every leg of the race is equal to every other leg. Some of it is easier than others. Some of it is incredibly difficult. Jesus told us there was going to be that part of this Christian walk, and you're going to have to pick up your own cross. You'll pick up your own persecution. You will uh, have to walk that out. Following Jesus is not just following him in his character. It's not just following him in his teachings. Sometimes it means following him in his suffering. That's part of it that we take up our cross and we follow after him. And yet, Jesus, who embraced his persecution, who persevered through his persecution, did so because he saw that joy on the other side. That persecution is never the end. Pain is never the end. Shame is never the end. There is joy on the other side. The old sermon was, yeah, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Resurrection is always the end of the story. Life is always the end of the story. And so as we are running our race, we are following a Savior who's been where we've been, whatever you are facing. And he has proven that it is possible to overcome because he overcame it. And he has proven that he's faithful. He has proven that he's trustworthy. He's proven that he's committed to us, and he's proven his goodness, his faithfulness, over and over and over and over again. And so whatever you are going through today, whatever you are facing, we fix our eyes on the pioneer. We fix our eyes on the perfecter who persevered and got through it so that we don't get weary, so we don't lose heart. We keep running the race that is marked out for us. Come on up, worship team. We're just about done here. If you have any questions about the sermon, we'd be happy to chat, and you can do it after the service, certainly, but by all means, shoot us an email, questions at meadowbrook.ca. We'd love to keep chatting about the message if that's something that would be helpful for you. So, Hebrews 12, 1-3, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And maybe today's message for you is just, a, just an encouragement. Maybe there's not much more to do with it than that. Maybe it's just, oh, you know what? I just needed to be reminded of what Jesus has done. I needed to be reminded of the cross. And maybe that's it. Maybe that's enough. 
Maybe for you, there is something hindering you. There is a weight that you're carrying. Uh, there is a sin that you are aware that is tangling up your relationship with him. Maybe it's time to step up and start to deal with that kind of thing. Maybe you just needed to be inspired. Maybe you need to go inspire someone else today. Maybe you need to be part of that great cheering crowd and go and just encourage somebody in their faith today. Maybe you just need to pray into this stuff and reflect on this stuff and, and it'll be up to you what you do with the message today. But the heart of it, which I hope you heard, is just keep running, just keep going, just keep persevering. Jesus didn't stop, we shouldn't stop either. And Jesus knew better was coming and he knew a hopeful day was coming. He knew that the trial he was facing was not gonna last forever. Whatever trial you are facing, it's not gonna last forever, that there is hope and resurrection at the end of it. And so we fix our eyes on him. We are fixed in our direction. We are fixed in our conviction that Jesus Christ is Lord. We are fixed on him and his will and what he wants to do because Jesus is Lord of our lives. He's Lord of Meadowbrook Church. He's Lord over Leamington, Ontario, Canada. Jesus is Lord over all creation. And so we will look to him and we will put our attention there and give him the glory he deserves as part of that. Would you stand with me please as we pray? Father, thanks for your word. And as we reflect on these things, Jesus, even right now, even as we get ready to worship again before we go, just by faith, Lord, we fix our eyes on you. We fix our eyes on you right now. And we pray, Lord, you will show us who you are right now as we sing this song, as we rest in your presence in this moment, we fix our eyes on you. Breathe your hope into us by your Holy Spirit. Breathe new faith into us this morning. As Jesus, we look to you, our Lord. Amen.